Hi, and you're very welcome to the first episode of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. It's a brand new Irish sporting platform, and we're kicking things off this week with a men's and women's soccer podcast on the channel. I'm delighted to be joined by my very glamorous co-host, Steph Roach. Steph, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you, Brefney. Very happy to be here. I'm excited for this podcast to get going. I think it's it's a long time coming. I think there needs to be more focus within the Women's National League, so hopefully we'll be able to to make something of this and get people interested within the Women's National League. Absolutely. And of course, uh, there's been a long tradition of women's football in this country and it maybe just doesn't get the promotion it deserves. So hopefully we can give a little bit of a lift to that across the next few months or so of the season. COVID dependent. Uh, we're going to kick off. We'll talk a little bit more about maybe your, your role in the game and maybe last season and the preparations for this season. But first, we're going to bring in our first guest pretty quickly into it. And it's someone you know quite well from your time in the Ireland camps over the years. Uh, she's been in the National League uh, with you for the last number of years. She's played pretty much everywhere. She's had spells abroad in Norway on a professional, semi-professional basis as well. And she's announced her retirement, but she's come back as a coach this season. And I'm delighted to introduce uh, Mary Curtin to the show. Mary, you're very, very welcome. Thanks, guys. Great to be on. Now, Mary, you're on the coaching staff of Treaty this year, haven't played for them last year. You've played in a couple of different roles with a couple of different clubs over the last few years in the Women's National League. How much are you excited by the prospect of, of coaching this season? Yeah, so, Brefney, ever since doing the UEFA B, I, I've definitely got the, the coaching bug. Um, it's 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 exciting now to get straight into it. I, I suppose the last couple of years, I was looking to get into coaching more so in a, in a team environment. I've done um, a lot of kind of one-on-one coaching and cover coaching which is really on small-sided stuff on the technical aspect of the game so I was excited to get into a, a team um, aspect again um, and yeah so it's it's really great I'm straight in there with Treaty the last few years I've been really I, I, I've been I suppose almost like a coach on on the field given my experience and, um, and and given my time in the league so um, yeah it's it's good to finally make that transition over now um, and yeah, it feels natural, really. It's it's um, just take the playing away, and it's just nice to be able to to focus completely on the girls and and on their development. Um, and that's the exciting thing about it for me. Yeah, I suppose in terms of uh, the playing side of it, how was last season for you? Because obviously you retired at the end of it. You've been around a while. Um, we won't throw any ages out there, but um, how was last season? How did you find it physically? Uh, physically, it was good. Like it was a weird season in a way, uh, with the disruptions with COVID. Um, at the same time, it was such it, it was great to be able to have a season given the circumstances. So we were really privileged to be able to have a season. Not too many athletes were were allowed to play, so it was great to play. I think everyone just appreciated that bit more, just being out there last season. Um, playing wise, you know, we, we had some good spells in the season. We had some bad spells. Um, we're still a very young outfit. Um, we're a new, we're a brand new club, as you know, first year with 3D United last year. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, a lot of exciting things happening for the club. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And from a playing perspective, you know, happy to step down now. There's, you know, as you said, I've been around quite a while now. Um, I've played in America, played in Norway. Um, I've 
you know, really dedicated my life to sport for a long time. And um, so it's nice to be able to kind of sit back now and let the young young people of this region, you know, take take it from here now. Um, because there's great talent in the region, and um, hope, hoping that we can kick this on and and really just bring up the level in the area. I suppose I'll jump in here, Mary. Um, look, we played against you last season. Obviously, in pre-season, we played a game against you. And I remember thinking, similar to what you, you've, you've spoken about before, you were kind of a leader on the pitch. So, for me, seeing such an experienced player like yourself, and obviously I've played with you over the years and seen how good you are and how much how, how well you read the game, it's, it's really good to see that you're slotting into a coaching position in a team that you've played in. But just from a player's point of view, a player who maybe has played in the league and, and may be thinking about going into coaching, how have you found the transition? Do you think some of the young girls kind of still look at you as a player to a certain extent? Or do you feel like you kind of have that little bit more authority now that you're not really within the kind of playing environment? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it was an interesting one. Um, I suppose you do run that risk always going from, from player to coach. Um, I think just in the scenario that we had, like there was such an age gap between the younger girls and me. And I suppose even, yeah, like they, they, they've always, even the girls who have been um, in the squads with Limerick FC and, and Treaty the last couple of years, you know, they've, they've always kind of looked at me. They know the, they know the experience that I have. Um, and I think when you get to this age, Stephanie, you you, you know yourself when you've been around oh. the block, like you just. Better watch my words. Um, when you've been around like that, you you do you do have a little bit more. Um, I, I I suppose you have a little bit more authority anyway. Um, your your words do make mean more. You you've been around. You you've experienced more. So. Um, yeah, I think I found it. The transition has been good. Um, I feel like it's it's been quite natural. So I think you'll have nothing to worry about, Stephanie, <laughs> when that time comes. Treaty are in a very unique situation within Irish football because they started out effectively as a women's club at senior level, fielding a women's team last year, and now they've added the men's. Is there a, a power play within the club, or is it very much just? everyone shoulders the wheel and, and just supporting the fact that the senior football for both men and women now in the region not at all breath so we're just looking for equality in the club and it's been it's been a conversation that we've always had within the club that you know whatever we do that that we as much where possible and it can be difficult with finances of a new club and everything but where possible that we are across the board level um in what we're doing so um yeah like even talking about an academy team and stuff you know we just want that same opportunity boys girls like we we really that's been a big focus i think for this club and it's nice to have a blank canvas in a way that we can do that um in terms of of us having a women's team before a men's team yeah it's been i, I don't know if there's been any club that that has has done that um especially not in ireland but um, yeah, look, it's it's a unique uh, it's a unique position, but um, yeah, we're just looking to as a club, just definitely just keep keep it level across the board. There's so much talk about it now, as you know, there's there's never been more talk about equality in in the game, and it's it's almost like we're we're starting a new culture um, among sports because we all know of the 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 differences in the kind of struggles of women athletes in this country. So it's 
great to see that I really do believe that that is finally changing. Just on that, Mary, like I've obviously played in the league. You play with Cork, you play with Treaty, you've played, you've kind of been in and around the league here in Ireland and you've been abroad and, and played in kind of different leagues. So your experience in terms of, of knowing the different structure of different leagues within Europe and, and America and the college systems and everything like that. But from my point of view, coming back into the league last year, I, I just kind of felt like so much, there's a, a lot being done, but I feel like so much is still the same from when the league started in 2011. Like, do you think that, or not do you think, but what do you think can be done better to, to really push the league onto a better standard? Because I do think the players are there. I think when you look at the players that have been in the league and gone away, I just think we need to kind of try and make a better platform for our younger players. I think if you look at the likes of Ellen Malloy, she's 16, 17, she's not going to go to England and play straight away. Like, how can we make the league here in Ireland a little bit better, do you think? Because as I said, I think from my own experience, being here in 2011 and being here now, I don't think a whole lot has changed. Yeah, so Stephanie, it's great that we're having these types of conversations because these are the types of conversations needed to be had. Um, you know, it's when you see players even going over to play in Scotland, like, you know, I, I think well done for you. Brilliant. Um, but like, I really don't think as a as a league, we, we should be losing players to, to Scotland. No disrespect to Scotland, but for a, a country that's similar population size um, and a sim- similar culture, I really don't. Like we we need to be doing better. Um. Now I I feel like this last year, Stephanie. I I feel like things are changing. It's going to be a slow change, in that, um. Yes, for the first time since the league, and I've been there since two thousand eleven. Since you know we we were to start this elite league as well. Um. There's been so much more in the media, so much more emphasis on women's sports. Now, of course, you can attribute attribute that to the 2020 20 by 20 campaign um so by the the irish federation of sport like that's been absolutely huge absolutely huge um so yeah i feel like the start of it like we need more in the media we need more promotion of the game the next thing now i really would be looking for this this year and it's great to see that that the sponsor that have come in in, in electricity um, now, where do we make this league really attractive to maybe not even people in the women's football world, but in in the football in the football world in general, and even outside that? So, how do we make it attractive? So, you look at um, how we uh, how we make this league accessible. Um, so, you're looking at YouTube. You're you're looking at podcasts like this. You're you're looking at the digital marketing that that is happening uh, for the league and and surrounding the league. Um, it could be from from media outlets, um, but like we need to get more clips of our players playing. We need to get quality goals. We need to get quality defending. We need to get quality uh, shot saves. You know, like the lot. We, we need to see more, and I'd also like to see more of player of, of actually getting to know the players. You know, there's a brilliant um, app in in England. You, you, the, the the FA Player, and they have exactly for the men's as they do for the women's. So. Like you get to you get to find out more about the the behind the scenes kind of stuff, and like you know that that is interesting for any aspiring young player. You know that that is interesting for people outside of football that that want to see this inside. So it's really about accessible, making making the league more accessible. You know, making it attractive as well. So the digital marketing 
marketing of this um, will be huge. I, I, I'm, wait, I'm waiting to see now. And, and like you, you know, when you've been around a lot, like you, you're, you're waiting for things to improve, to, to get better all the time. And, and, you know, it's just a matter of seeing results now. And, you know, I don't care who's involved. You just want to see results um, and you want to see the thing improve. So, yeah, for me, it is, it is changing now. I, I feel it is changing. And the next thing is to make it more attractive because when you make the thing more attractive, you need to build up an audience. So when you build up an audience, yes, now sponsors are listening. Now, now we get getting some more money in the game. Now I've been on the business side of things and, you know, I know that for a fact that you will get business interest, you will get businesses wanting to support this league. Women's sport is hot right now. And you, you like the league will get more, but it needs to be attractive first. So that's that's kind of my take on it right now. But I, I do I, I'm waiting and I'm hoping to see, you know, just more the, the digital marketing side that like this is really good. And we saw it. I don't know if you noticed it too, Stephanie, but the end of last season, you know, we saw, you know, the, the WNL awards and stuff. And, you know, the, the digital stuff behind it, behind it, the posters, the linking with RTE and, and, and that like. You know that's good. That's that's what we want to see, and it it goes then beyond that to the branding. You know the the consistent branding of it, the the personality of the brands. Um, and you know I think next level on again will be you know really clubs take not only the the league making this really attractive, but then next level on how do we get our clubs making it attractive? Um, for each and every club to to making this really really attractive. Um, and you can just, you know, it's not reinventing the wheel. We have a great example in in the women's league in England right now, like what what they're doing. Um, a lot, the women's game is is really uh, in a lot of clubs I know in England. It's it's in the same, it's the same. Um, I suppose the women's and the men's are in the same league, and it's it's like. It's a crossword, like you'd seen as yeah, they're all together. They're all like Man City, exactly, yeah. Women, this Same umbrella. Video a couple of years ago, where they showed interlinking videos of the men's and women's, and it was like it's not men's football, it's not women's football, it's football. And I thought that yeah, was cool. So just full of potential to really grow the women's game. And I suppose that's why I, suppose I approached Steph about doing this because I think I think this is needed. I, I think some of the offerings that are out there just aren't of the level that are required to really showcase the talent. And and we all know, anyone watching this uh, at the early stages of this podcast is going to know the talent in the league. You've mentioned a few names, um, Ellen Malloy and all those coming up. And yourselves, 10, 12-ish years later, um, senior internationals, full of experience, lots of talent. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's great to hear a player saying that, a player slash coach saying that, I think it's time that the clubs step up as well, not expected to be done for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, of yeah. course. And I think, I think, Mary, sorry for cutting across here. I think you, you touched on it. And I think from my point of view, like I think it's great to see Artricity coming in. I think it's great to see them trying to make the league a little bit more marketable, marketable because I think that's what's been missing. I think if you want companies to come in and, and put money into the league, they need to see what they're getting back from it. And I think... These things, like as you said, the awards being on TV last year and the live streaming is now coming this season for every game. That's an excellent step forward, in my opinion. I think it puts the game out there for everybody to see it. But just from my point of view, I remember start, I remember being at the inaugural launch for the league and, and it was the same things being talked about. So from my point of view, 
looking at these young players coming up I don't want them to be sitting here in 10 years time going oh yeah it's getting there it's getting there so I just think as you say women's football and, and putting women uh, sports women out there I think that really is kind of in now everyone's trying to do it so I think we need to push for it to happen now more than ever rather than letting it kind of peter out and you know let it kind of be further down the road before it actually happens so I think as I said it's going in the right direction but I hope I really hope this season is, is a real change for that and and we can see the Women's National League really getting the the exposure that it deserves. I better jump in here because we are going way over time for <laughs> this segment. And we've gone way started on this. <laughs> I think you were so passionate about Mary that we just wanted to let you run with it. In terms of, I suppose, your own role in Treaty this year, let's bring it back uh, locally again. Um, I was going to ask you for loads of dirt on Steph as well that you could out <laughs> National Council over the years. And there is one story I want you to tell uh, from the World University Games. It's where we met maybe oh, 11, 12 years ago. Or more, probably 2007. Um, it was fun with, uh, with TUEs and stuff like that and and uh do you want to talk about it or we just leave it out there <laughs> well you know it all happened so quickly for me um <laughs> and thank you for bringing this up Brittany really well, I, I figured the the statute of limitations is well passed on, on an offense in 2007 it wasn't even an offense but it was just a, a, a funny whole, talk about yeah, it the whole thing happened so quickly you know I um I got sick about a week before um there was confusion I know back and forth between doctors and stuff and obviously I let the team know that I was sick and I had to go on antibiotics and I was quite sick I had a, quite a chest infection so I there was uh there was what was prescribed um was on the list but um I suppose it just shows my lack of education around that at that time but just it you know, within the space of a week, we're about to set off on a trip to Bangkok. And um, so all this happens. And, you know, so uh, we had some difficulty over there, Brefni. And um, so it, it ended up um, it ended up being more of a holiday than a playing experience for me. Just reach you out of the athlete's village at about uh, late one night, put you in a hotel so you couldn't get drug tested. It would have, like, it was a genuine mistake. You didn't play any games, so there was no rules broken, but you were named in the squad. And I think we had to, um, we moved you down to a hotel down the road for two weeks uh, in Bangkok. Down, but, uh, down with Noel King's family for two weeks. Absolutely. It was just a little, but it shows kind of the advances that have come on as well in terms of players' awareness of, of what they put in their body is, is their own responsibility as well. Can you give us any dirt on Steph before you leave us? <laughs> I, wish, I wish you should you you gave me some preparation on this. Look, Stephanie's been the ultimate professional all the time. I've known her. Um, we we have quite a few trips that that we've shared together. We we would play around the same time, um, and. Yeah, uh, I, I don't really have too much on Stephanie. She was she was always the ultimate professional for me. Yeah, well, listen, we'll, we'll have a little chat Sorry, about when you leave. When you leave. <laughs> listen, Mary, the very best of luck in the new role in Treaty. It's going to be great to watch the season progress and, and see how you get on down there. It's a new management team and it's a, a kind of a new club with the men coming on board. It's given it a bit of a lift as well. So uh, the very best of luck for the whole season and we'll be catching up with you and your, your teams and your, your colleagues down there over the course of the year. Good stuff. Absolutely. Well done, guys. And best of luck with the podcast, too. Thank you. Thank you. Mary Curtin there, an absolute legend of the game. I think, Steph, like you must know Mary very, very well. Yeah, as Mary mentioned, I've, I actually, we went to Indiana on a trip with the Irish senior women's team. It was like a summer kind of 
trip before our qualifiers began and, and myself and Anya and Mary roomed together so I really got to know her properly in, in that trip and as I mentioned Trilla, she was always a very very good professional very technical player and, and tactical reads the game really well so we can really see her going on to do well in the coaching aspect so I wish her all the best and, and hopefully she'll be able to encourage kind of more players who play within the league and, and played in Ireland and abroad to come back to the Women's National League and, and give their knowledge to the game and to the young players coming up. Absolutely. I suppose we won't mention Indiana because I wasn't at the World University Games that summer and we would have loved you to have been in Belgrade that year. <laughs> it wasn't to be for, for a couple of reasons. We won't go into too much detail on it here. Let's talk for a moment about yourself. Obviously, you need no introduction to anybody in the league. Um, even before even before you scored the, the huge influence in, in the cup final at the end of last year, people knew who you were, the Puskas Award, that goal. Um how has your life changed in since that goal? We don't want to spend too much time talking about it because it's it's been done to death. Everybody knows who you are. But just tell us about how your life is different since that goal versus beforehand. Yeah, I think everybody's probably sick of hearing about the goal, aren't they, at this stage? But now it's it's something that I get asked a lot because obviously it's it's a huge part of my career. It's something that really kind of pushed me out there. And I suppose in terms of how my career has changed is that as you said, people know who I am more. People hear me talking. People want to hear my opinion on things. And and I suppose I've kind of been able to use the platform that I was given to try and promote not just women's football, but particularly the Women's National League because the goal I scored was in that league. And I think every interview I've done, I try to explain that that wasn't a once-off. Like These things happen. Like Obviously, I'd like to think the goal was quite good, but um, there have been goals within the league who, who that maybe might not have been seen, you know? So... I think just I've been given that little bit of a platform to be able to actually speak and, and talk about the women's game, which is, as I said, it's kind of helped me try and promote it as best I could. Yeah, and of course, you've had that opportunity then because I suppose the profile that that brought to play in France, Italy, America, uh, in the UK as well. Uh, you decided to come back to Piedmont last year. Why did you have other options? Was that your preferred option or... Or what was the situation? What was the kind of the decision you had to make uh, in January, February of last season? So like before I went to Italy, I obviously, without getting into loads of details, because I feel like I've talked about this quite a bit as well, I, I broke my leg playing for Ireland in a qualifier up in Northern Ireland. And I was in my last season, my last year, my contract with Sunderland. And I came to the end of my contract in the June and I was still injured. So I'd kind of effectively not played for a year. Um, was probably a few months off actually being fully fit and I remember I met with Colin Bell at the time who was the Irish manager and he was kind of I don't like to say pushing you to go professional but he wanted you to be playing at a higher level to be able to get into the international team so so at the time my thought was right I have to go abroad to get football and the opportunity came I was asked a couple of clubs in England in WSL2 had been in touch and, and I kind of just I didn't think like, I think WSL2 was definitely improving, but I just thought it wouldn't really be the standard that I could probably get elsewhere. So when the opportunity came to play in, in Italy, it was something new, new country, new culture, just the experience of playing a different league. I thought, OK, I'll go for it. And I went over there. And to be honest with you, there was a lot of a lot of bad things, a lot of things that didn't work out. And I, again, I don't want to get into it because I don't like talking negatively about clubs that I've played for. But yeah, a lot of things didn't go right in terms of pay and everything else. I'm, I'm still waiting on two months pay and I'm left how long a year. So a lot of issues off the pitch um, that didn't I didn't like and I, I, I couldn't accept as a professional footballer. I think I've always, everywhere I've gone, I try to be as professional as I can and, and in myself. So I expect the same back from the clubs and I just didn't get that in Italy at times. So I think I've been thinking about coming home for a long time, as, as Mary's touched on it. We're both getting on, getting on a little bit. 
So I think I had so many opportunities here in Ireland that I had turned down over the last couple of years because I was abroad and I had my own company, my coaching company up and running the last two years. So I really felt coming back to Ireland and playing the National League, I could still compete at a decent level and, and hopefully be in and around the Irish squad and also work on stuff off the pitch for, for when I finish. So, so yeah, long story short, that's the reason why I've come home and that's the reason why I've chosen now to come because, as I said, I've, I've probably put things off for, for quite a while now. And as I said, I'm getting to that age in my life now where things away from football needed to be sorted out and I've probably took my eye off the ball in terms of, of that stuff over the last number of years. So the time was right for me to come back and do it at this year. Last year, of course, there was a couple of injury issues and I know COVID played a part in, in maybe you not being eligible for the Champions League, but the season ended in fantastic style for you. Uh, that cup final obviously broadcast live on TV as it has been for the last few years, but probably a bigger audience because there was less things happening and distractions. It must have been really, really nice to kind of have such a pivotal part in the game, win player of the match, score the two goals. Probably the best goal of the, of the we were involved in was the one you set up for Anya even better than the two strikes you had yourself. Um, what was what was your, your thoughts coming out of that? You must have kind of felt vindicated to come home and to be, I suppose, to get that opportunity to really um, showcase what you can do and, and silence any doubters that might have been out there. Yeah, it was a relief. And I think you speak about the postcast thing. And I think, if I'm honest, I had like a huge chunk of luck with the whole postcast, with the goal being spotted, with it getting spotted by FIFA, with it being nominated. And honestly, like my, me and Dean, my boyfriend, talk about it quite a lot. And I, I probably had such a huge amount of luck with that that I haven't had much luck since then. Do you know that kind of way? I feel like everything that could have went wrong along the along the last few years has gone wrong. And, and I'm not looking for sympathy or anything with that. But I do feel like even last season coming back here, I had a new mindset. I was like, right, I'm going to get into this league. I'm going to get back to my best. And as you said, I had a couple of knocks here and there. And I had my first 90 minutes against Cork in the league and felt really good and the most innocuous thing in the game I got a ball absolutely hammered at me and I cracked the rib and I remember after the game thinking nothing of it it wasn't until the next day that I realised what I'd done and and that had me kind of out of of really kind of training for three to four weeks which it probably should have been longer but I was obviously eager to get back playing so to finish the season on a high with the way it did in the league or in the cup final I think was was a real relief more than anything because as I said, I, I've always tried to be professional in my approach to everything that I do. I always work hard. I do the right things. I prepare the right way. And and sometimes I think football really is about that little break of luck. The luck that you get along the way really helps. And as I said, I feel like up until that cup final, I really thought my luck just wasn't there anymore. And, and thankfully, it all kind of came together within that final. And I was able to to play a part within the game and, and do well overall. So, Looking forward to the season ahead, I suppose. Uh, I want you to to talk maybe a little bit about where Piedmont are uh, going into the season. Obviously, defending a double is never is never an easy task. Uh, it's uh, teams are getting stronger, younger girls coming in technically maybe better than what they would have been five ten years ago. Um, what's the, the the situation like in Piedmont at the moment? How's preseason going? Yeah, it's going really well. Um, I think we've lost a couple of players. Um, I think noticeable ones will be Nia Farrelly gone to to Glasgow. Um, really, really herself and Claire had a very good partnership last last season in the centre of defence, like not many player, not many teams got past them. So I think she'll be a loss. But when you look at the young players coming up, we have Della Doherty coming in, who played quite a bit last season with Becky Watkins. There's so many players within the squad who who I feel can step up to the mark. And, and in pre-season, I remember our first night of pre-season, a lot of the young players were up and I was looking kind of going, OK, a lot of young players here, let's see what they're about. And I have to be honest, they've been excellent so far in pre-season, which is great. 
Um, I think we have a really good mix of experienced players. You mentioned Anya before, Karen, Claire, myself. And then you have, as I mentioned, the young players that are coming in who are who are really stepping up to the mark. And I think James will give them their opportunity if they if they continue to do as well as they have been doing. So it's an exciting season, defending the double, as you mentioned. And this season is going to be our most important season yet. And we need to make sure that we can show people that we're there up for the challenge and we're ready to play as well as we can in every game and, and win that league once again. In terms of the bigger picture of the league, we spoke to Mary a good bit about the promotion of the league. How important is it for um, the proposed LOI TV platform that's going to have uh, a camera at every game? Now, it mightn't be what we would like it to be, but the fact that people will be able to watch a game, how important is it that that is, is progressed and, and it even just happens this season? It's brilliant. It's huge. And I think it's it's something that has been a long time coming. Um, when I've seen the announcement, I was delighted. Um, last season, I think... Aaron Clark with the WNL show, he's the only one really that I've seen really pushing the league. And at times it's very hard for him to cover every game, you know, like on the way. So for me to see the the streams being there and and the opportunity for people, as Mary mentioned, to be able to see women's football. And, and it doesn't have to be just women's football or people who are involved in women's football. It's there for everybody to see now. So look, I hope, I'd imagine the, the quality of the stream is going to be as best as they can possibly make it. So let's hope more people can get on board and watch the games and, and I remember like last season, Dean would be texting me kind of saying, I couldn't find anything on your game. And we're meant to be playing in, in the highest league in Ireland and you can't find stuff on the game. But that's that's not acceptable, you know. So this year, hopefully there'll be more thing, more information out there for, for people to find and people to access easier and quicker with the streams coming on board. And as I said, the new sponsorships and everything that's coming, I think I've, I've touched on it before. I think I've constantly the last couple of years said it's getting better, it's getting better. And I really think this year it actually is going to get better, which for me is is really, really good. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it can go. Yeah, and of course, we are here at finalwhistle.ie are hoping to have uh, live coverage, live text commentaries and all that sort of stuff of all the games in the league this year. So watch this space uh, with the podcast and, and the website over the next few months. And uh, hopefully we'll be bringing you all of that good stuff and live co- updates. I think it's vital. I, even trying to find scores of games that happened a couple of days ago can be problematic. Some of the clubs are better at social media than others. Sometimes the league is a little bit behind. Uh, sometimes they're on the ball, sometimes not so much. So really it's it's nice to kind of have a couple of extra options to find out the scores and watch games and stuff, which I'm, I'm really excited about as well. Steph, um, we're going to move on because we have another guest to get to. And uh, I did catch up earlier in the week with Lynn Marie Grant. Lynn Grant, Lynn Marie Grant. Uh, she's a well-known name to anybody of a certain vintage, of course, an Irish <laughs> international, um, back at the turn of the last decade, uh, 09, 10, 11-ish years. Uh, she did play a couple of games in the early days of the National League with Wexford, um, but for health reasons, had to drop out of the league and hasn't really played a whole pile. You're going to hear a bit more about it here. Uh, here's the conversation I had with her earlier in the week. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. You're very welcome to the first episode of the Women's National League podcast here on Final Whistle. How have you been? Great, actually. Yeah, keeping really well. What's it been? Uh, 10 years? Well, the World Student Games was the first time we crossed paths back in 2009. And I suppose at the time you would have been one of the, the up and coming prospects in women's football. And I suppose younger viewers of this podcast or listeners to the podcast will be asking, who's Limery Grant. Um, yeah. Can you explain to us maybe why uh, an international player in the late 90s, early to 2010s, all of a sudden just disappears from view and reappears 10 years later in the women's <laughs> national? 
Uh, yeah, sure. Like, you know, well, basically, um, when I turned 18, just around my 18th birthday, actually, I got diagnosed with um, type 1 diabetes. And I took a, a little stint away from, from the international scene for only a couple of months. And I tried to play, tried to keep playing for another couple of years, but I just couldn't. I felt like I just couldn't compete anymore. And I really had to go back to basics. Like I had to go back to learning how to fuel my body right. I hadn't a clue. I learned how to train properly to manage my energy levels. You know, everything was just, it was like, it was like re-educating myself all over again. Like I just had to start from scratch and I just, I couldn't do it while, while playing soccer because I had to go back to having to learn how to train, like think everything had to be so prepared like you know so before a training session what was I going to eat how like what insulin was I going to take and you know how how intense the training session was going to be you know so I really had to go back and educate myself on all of that like I hadn't I hadn't a clue <laughs> I hadn't a clue you know what to do and then um so yeah that's gonna that's kind of how it started. I just had to take a break. I had to take a break and actually learn for myself what, how to look after myself, you know. And then, um, how scary was that diagnosis? Because uh, late teens, early twenties, you get this. Uh, nowadays, probably not so much a, a life-threatening illness or anything, but it just changes the way. Like you said, you have to be a bit more particular and a bit more careful. Mm. How scary is that diagnosis at the time? Yeah, you know, I probably underestimated it massively when I was first diagnosed. Um, and as I got to learn more about it, um, I just felt I felt like I was just so isolated at the time. You know what I mean? Just felt like, you know, there's there was nobody else that I could actually speak to about it in sport because nobody actually understood. You know, you'd see other players, you know, and they'd be eating everything around, and you'd be like, no, I can't do that. You know, <laughs> you know, nobody really understood at that time there wasn't the support available you know to go through it or at least I didn't feel like there was you know maybe it was available but for me no and um the one thing I'd say when I was diagnosed is I remember my mom actually said to me she said look you need to figure this out for yourself you know because I'm not always going to be here to help you so I suppose from when I was really when I was when I was diagnosed like at a almost immediate like she said that to me and I really had to learn for myself because I knew uh, at the end of the day I was responsible for it so I had to take it serious like I couldn't couldn't leave it slide and unfortunately my doctor my consultant at the time like he had actually scared me you know he I think one of my first consultations with him he said look if you want I'll bring you up to a ward and I'll show you somebody getting their leg amputated because they haven't looked after the diabetes or you know so when yeah. you're told that you need to take it serious that is pretty heavily all right yeah in terms of i suppose that little gap you took you said you played on for a couple of years maybe into mm -hmm. the start of the national league you tried a couple of games when i know john flood was the manager down in wexford how did that work out when you tried to play at that elite level when you weren't quite so organized as you are now i couldn't I honestly couldn't I was I was always well controlled outside of soccer but when when matches come up it's not just insulin that I have to think about it's other hormones that come into play so you have to consider adrenaline you know how how hyped up you are for the game like everything you have to try and control that and relax yourself and I was so uneducated about it I just didn't understand so 
Like I could go out to play a match and my sugars could be absolutely brilliant, you know, in the range of four and eight, like super. And I could go out and by by like half time, my sugars would just be all over the place. And I'd feel so sluggish on the pitch. And like, I'd say people were kind of looking at me saying, what the hell is going on with her? Like, you know, she, she can't move here. But I just couldn't, like, I, I just couldn't physically, like, I just felt like when I, when you get to that stage, you just feel so exhausted and all you want to do is walk off the pitch. And I remember a couple of times I would have been standing at the pitch saying, it's not worth it. You know, it really isn't like, why am I here? You know, what's my why? Whereas now it's, it's a different kettle of fish altogether, you know. Um, well, let's talk yeah. about that for a moment because, yeah. you know, you're coming into this now, um, you're not a teenager anymore. You're yeah. on from that in terms of, and also parts of your life have changed as well in terms of you've obviously got the illness to deal with. You're also a mum, which is yeah. a rare yeah. enough commodity in the league. Why, why now and why do you want to be back in the league in your early 30s? As a mum, so many other responsibilities, a health concern as well. Like, what's the motivation to get back into this level of football? I've missed it for so long because like I wasn't able to play it for so long, you know. Where and now, last year I played actually for for just a local team here um, in Wexford for Celtic, and we had such a good team, great great club, uh, absolutely brilliant. And we did really well for that season. And um, we, you know, we won the treble. And the girls were so good. I really kind of got the grow back for soccer. I really got the kind of the bite back. And uh, I suppose I just kind of said, like, you know, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And I've looked after myself for like, I don't, I don't feel old. I don't feel like 32. I've looked after myself for for the last like what 10 over 10 years now, like you know 10 12 years, and I actually feel like you know I'm not stiff after games. Like I actually feel good after games. You know I feel like I could. I feel like I'm still in my 20s. You know what I mean. But not only that, like I want to be a good role model for my kids. You know, like success comes in so many different ways. It's not just about getting like you know a great job or you know different things like that you can be successful in loads of different ways and I want to show the kids you know that you know you don't just have to go down the route of you know getting a great job or you know achieving you know whatever you do academically you can do it in different ways you know um and the kids have already started actually they're all they're constantly outside kicking the ball so you know if I if I wasn't going to do it now I'd never do it and I have played internationally, I played like, you know, at different levels, but I never gave National League a good go. And I don't want to turn back when I'm 50, please God, like, you know, and regret it. You know, I don't want to regret it. Like That was going to be my next question, because a lot of people kind of, they look back when they can't do it anymore. You've decided... I'm going to give it a go and see how it pans out. And I've no doubt known you from of old that that determination and that ability is still there. And I look forward to kind of following your progress through the league. But in terms of, I suppose, the that decision to go back, like what did your partner say? What did your, your kids think? What did the family mm-hmm. say? Have you been told you're crazy? Have people been supportive? Do you know what? Actually, they have. Obviously, before before I went back, I spoke to spoke to my fiance about it, just to make sure you know that the support was there and he was behind me 100 percent because he knows how much how much it means to me. 
um and same with same with my parents my parents have always supported me in it um with COVID it's a little bit different because you know they'd love to be able to go to the games and stuff like that and they had they did question a little bit in terms of COVID you know restrictions and and but when I reassured them with with Wexford Dudes in particular like you know they're really to try to keep up, up like I suppose safety as much as possible so you know like you're constantly temperature checked and you know at least you have that kind of security around you know players and you know different things like that so um they they do I have to say 100% they, they support me like even after training sessions my dad rings me like for an hour going home in the car to talk just so like it's like a pre-training and like a post-training analysis of you know how did I do tonight you know and I'm like oh my god I feel like I'm 17 again and I'm going through this you know it seems like you just deprived him of the last 10 years of these yeah. his daughter. in terms of the well, let's talk about Wexford because obviously um they've been there thereabouts for the last five or six or seven years they've been challenging for titles FAI Cups in terms of you coming in from effectively junior football after an extended period out of the game, is there any worry or any concern that maybe the legs aren't there? Or are you, no, I'm, I'm confident I've got this? Uh, before I went in, yeah, definitely. I had actually spoken to a couple of people um, just to get their opinion on it. You know, people that I could actually, that would give me an honest answer. And they kind of said to me, no, no, you'll be fine. Like, you know, but obviously you'd have that, you'd have that kind of gun in the back of your head, like thinking, am I all right? Like, you know, am I okay? So um, before I went in, I was nervous, no doubt. I was, I was very nervous. I was like, oh God, am I going to be able for this? First two sessions, I'd say first two or three sessions, I was like, oh my God, like, you know, let's just test the water, see how I get on, you know? But yeah, once I set, like, I'm still settling in, like, you know, we're only a couple of weeks into preseason, but um, I, now I have no no doubt whatsoever, like, I know I'm, I know I still have it, you know, I still have it for another couple of years, you know, um, my strength is fine, um, my fitness is, my fitness is good, you know, you can always be fitter, but my fitness is actually, is good, and my football is there and it's just you know it's it's coming back you know my distribution of the ball is coming back my vision is coming back you know for I suppose for true balls and different things particularly in the in the final third um so no like uh, I don't have any I don't have any concerns anymore to be honest what's the setup and like in the club uh, what's the atmosphere like brilliant I have to say I didn't know what to expect when I first went in I was, I was very nervous for lots of different reasons like you know for obviously meeting meeting the the squad and that but when I went in I was made so feel so welcome um and it wasn't just from it wasn't just from like say team members or some management it was from everybody you know um I just they, they really make you feel welcome what I would say is um it's not like you have a wide range like in terms of age of players there you know there's a lot of players being blotted in as well onto the senior team and everybody's voice matters you know it doesn't matter if even for me it doesn't matter if I'm just after coming in if I have something to say everyone you know everyone listens or you know it's anybody's opinion or whatever they have to say is taken on board which is great and the one point that they I suppose they really try to um 
try to bring in is you know it's a family like that so they try to instill in all the players it's a family that that's there and you really get you really really get that when you start to go to a couple of training sessions it's not just a group of players meeting up it's it's a family like you know like they, some of the guys even know each other outside the sport like you know like so it's it's brilliant and the professionalism of it is super yeah, now you mentioned, or we mentioned the World Shoot Games at the top of the discussion, and I suppose mm. part of that squad was Nicholas Sinnott, who is in that squad, in that dressing room at the moment, at Wexford. Yeah. And I'm sure there was a, a kind of a, a familiarity there with her, having played with her in that competition. But in terms of um, maybe the younger girls in the squad, the girls who are 18, 20, 22, that kind of ballpark, who would have watched you as like tots, playing for Ireland, local girl. Have you had that incident yet where someone said, oh yeah, I remember going to my first Ireland game when you were playing. Has that happened at all yet? No, and I hope that doesn't happen either, to be honest. Um, No, but you know what? What I would say is the younger players that are coming up, up, they are just fantastic. Like, you know, the likes of Ellen and Avian are just fantastic. But one girl in particular for me, I just, I actually saw her play last year. She's only under 17, uh, Freya DeMange. I saw her play. I actually played against her for our club team last year, and I just couldn't believe how good she was. She was fantastic, lovely left foot, and every every time I see her in training, she just looks so cool and composed. It's just fantastic. Yeah, you know, so the caliber of players coming through is just amazing. And of course, every women's national league manager has just thanked you for identifying the, the <laughs> own star coming up. I think she's already after been seen, though. I think she's... They're well aware. They're well aware. Yeah. Lynn, is it Lynn or Lynn Marie, or what do we go by now? Lynn, it's fine. It doesn't matter. And yeah. uh, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. Welcome back to the the women's national league. It's great to see you back in the fold at Wexford, and I'm sure a huge addition to their squad as the season progresses this year. Thanks for joining us and the very best. And that is a name I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about throughout the league this year. I think it should be unknown to some people who may be only coming into the game in the last decade or so, but but those that are around a couple of years, uh, a little bit longer, will be well aware of the talent she brings to that Wexford side this year. Uh, Steph, you would have played with Limery growing up uh, with international teams. Thoughts on that addition for Wexford? Excellent. Really, really good. And it's great to see her back playing. Um, it's it's crazy when you, you had said to me originally that Limery was coming on. I, I hadn't heard the name in so long. And as I said, growing up, she was always prominent within the Irish setup and, and always a really, really good midfield player, technical, good on the ball, reads the game well. Haven't yet seen her playing the number 10 position. So looking forward to seeing that. But yeah, an excellent addition to, to that Wexford youth side who have a lot of quality within it. So they'll be coming after us this season, I'm sure. Yeah, she was in that World Student Games team in 09 and when some people went off to Indiana on a little trip. Uh, she was in uh, she was in Belgrade uh, and she was probably the best player in that squad at the time and uh, I think she'll make a huge impact with Wexford. So the best of luck to her and her teammates and everybody down there. And I'm really excited about where this this show is going to go over the next few weeks and months and we'd love to have your input. So hit us up on social media, uh, get involved on the email newsletter and just check out the website. If you've got news you want us to cover, please get in touch with us. Info at finalwhistle.ie or soccer at finalwhistle.ie will come into us and we'll put it on the website. We'll put it on the show as well. Uh, it's the stories that you think we should be covering. Do let us know. Um, myself and Steph will be quite happy to chat about it and showcase everything that's brilliant about the Women's National League here in Ireland. Steph, thanks very much for joining me. Um, What's the plan for the week? Training? 
yeah training tonight uh, we have our photo shoot as well from the FEI our headshots as well so I'll have to try and sort my head out a little bit before we get in there <laughs> look the part and all that but yeah no just training hard working hard we've got a game at the weekend against DLR as well so big test for us I think they're a good team this year I think they've they've put together a very good squad so be a good test now going into to pre-season and continuing to work hard for the next few weeks so that's why we moved this a couple of hours earlier so we had time to get prepared for the photo shoot <laughs> I'm on to you Steph I'm on to you already it's only episode one listen it's been a pleasure thanks very much for joining me thank you to Lynn Marie and to Mary Curtin as well for joining us over the last 45 minutes 50 minutes or so and uh, we'll be back with you next week with a show here on Final Whistle talk to you then